What's up, y'all? Thanks for tuning in. This is On the Rocks Sports uh, Nuggets Rewatch Series. I'm here today with my my buddy, uh, Twitter buddy, well-known in Nuggets Twitter, uh, Cade Walker, site expert at Nug Love. Um, Cade, what's up, man? Not too much. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, I heard it has been snowing in Colorado. Is that true? Yeah, we got hit uh, last couple of days with some snow. Um, it's actually melted pretty quickly, which is good, but I hate getting snow in April. <laughs> it's pretty classic. I think my, my dad told me there might have been like 18 inches in Boulder, which is crazy. Um, yeah, it's there's always one big one in March or April. Yeah, every single year. Every, like every single year. Um, but not, yeah, so I'm good. It's like, it's like in the sixties down here in Austin, pretty cold for us. Uh, I'm doing well, just, you know, in my 500 square foot apartment, chilling, um, went to shoot some hoops today. So that was good. Um, do you have any quarantine TV show or, or just content recommendations as of now? Oh man. Uh, well I did DNVR watches the, the love is blind series on Netflix and that was a complete disaster. Super. Entertaining. <laughs> did um, you, did you like it? The, the show? I, I was, I was entertained to, to make fun of it with everybody on Twitter, but it, in a vacuum, it's a terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> I actually disagree. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was incredible. So I was actually, I was working in DC. I was working in DC. Um, uh, I guess, geez, I have no track of time at this point, but a, a couple months ago and my girlfriend said I should watch it. You know, I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't have anything better to do. And I, I was immediately hooked. Absolutely loved it. So I'm a, I'm a big love is blind proponent. Uh, pretty was pretty excited when I saw that everybody was watching that together. So I'd say that's a good recommendation. Yeah, it's definitely a good place to start. I mean, it's if you've got time to kill, it's something you can definitely uh, consume pretty quick. So would recommend it. Um, but yeah, so Cage joining me today. We're kind of doing what I want to do with the podcast series is, um, you know, we all got some downtime, so rewatch some games. Cade uh, and I rewatched the uh, Denver Nuggets versus Boston Celtics a game where Jamal Murray scored 48 that occurred on November 5th, 2018. Um, the Nuggets were eight and one at the time and the Celtics were the Kyrie Irving led Celtics were what is a six and three um, Nuggets ended up winning 115 to 107. This is a game. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, I would really recommend watching it as a Nuggets fan. Cause I just thought it was an incredible game. Um, Obviously, the main reason we chose this one is because Jamal Murray scored 48. But I'd say, uh, not sure if you agree with this, K, but I'd say even without the like the Jamal thing was the main uh, storyline. But like this was just an incredible game all around. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, it was really interesting to see how this team has evolved to now and how they looked at that point in time. Um just like how how Jokic looked, how <laughs> Wancho and Beasley uh, performed, it was it was actually even funny uh, watching Trey Lyles play some. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It was it was a really interesting game. Like I think we'll just get into um, 
some of the main takeaways on a high level nuggets ended up winning. Um, Jamal Murray obviously scored 48. Kyrie Irving had an incredible game. He scored 31. Um, interesting tidbit here that I just wanted to, to point out before I forgot. Torrey Craig played two minutes. He started, played two minutes, had an offensive rating of zero. So um, I'm sure all the Torrey Craig fans will love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, Kate, I think we got to start with Jamal Murray scoring 48 points. Um Pretty incredible performance from him. I think my takeaway, I wanted to get your take on this, is he, and this is something I noticed on rewatch that I probably, like I don't necessarily remember it, like noticing the first time, but he was looking for smoke um, from the first quarter. He scored 12, I think he scored 12 points in the first quarter. I know he hit his first three and then hit back-to-back buckets, and he was talking to the Celtics bench. Oh yeah, for sure. He was looking at him, staring him down. He actually scored 14, the first 14 of 16 points for the Nuggets. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because I don't I didn't remember that the Nuggets were kind of getting their ass kicked out of the gate. They were down double digits. Yeah, we got down to 18 at some point, I believe in the early in the second quarter. Wow. So yeah, Jamal came out just absolutely balling, but like, yeah, one thing I picked up on rewatch, one of the reasons why. I just strongly recommend this game as one that you can enjoy uh, even knowing the outcome is because you notice Jamal was really jawing at these guys. And like, I feel like it's a cliche when announcers are like, Oh, you know, Jamal Murray's looking forward to going at Kyrie Irving or like another great point guard. But this was probably the most I've ever noticed that in a game because he came out and was jawing at the bench and like he did his like finger looking celebration in the first quarter where I'm just like, man, this is so over the top, but this is what makes Jamal Jamal. Yeah, definitely. He, um, he came out really hot, like we said, and he was, he was really aggressive with it. Uh, so, you know, we, he turned the ball over a couple, a uh, couple times pretty early on. So he was, he was aggressive and he, he definitely went, went right at their throats. Yeah, that was and that was classic. This was like a good that was like a good reminder of this being early last season. Jamal had three like bad Jamal turnovers in the first quarter while scoring 14 of the 16 points. Yeah. Um, you got we got so, really, <laughs> like early Malone rage timeout in this one. Really early and just like the full Murray experience and some of that like you said like um the team looked similar, but at the same time, I think it was easy to see the growth in Murray uh, as kind of a distributor, as a point guard from, you know, seeing him make really basic mistakes in the first quarter here. And he pretty much gave up, you know, six easy points to the Celtic and the Celtics in the first quarter, which is just, I mean, that's massive. Like you just can't do that as a point guard. Um, so to see where he is now compared to that was, was pretty good to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, to see how how now he's actually a, a pretty competent defender, um, and at that point in time he wasn't. And and like you said, his playmaking has definitely improved now to to where he was at that point. Um, especially out of the pick and roll, I think we we saw that later mm-hmm. in, in the playoffs. But he didn't really flash that as much. I, I didn't notice at least in this game. So 
Um, yeah. It's good to see that he's worked on his skills um, to now, and he's definitely a more well-rounded guard. For sure. Yeah, that's actually in my notes. Like in the fourth quarter, I think Scott, you know, Scott Hastings loves to get the ball to the big guys. Uh, he was talking about that a lot in the fourth quarter where he, you know, they couldn't get the ball to Jokic, and the, the Celtics play small, so Jokic had a ton of great matchups. And, uh, I mean, Jamal wasn't really getting the ball. In this game, of course – it didn't matter, but like it was definitely noticeable that, you know, now Jamal, I mean, Jamal still has his struggles with feeding the post, but uh, he can get Jokic the ball in clutch time. And I think even at this point, which is kind of crazy beginning last year, it looked at least in this game, it looked like he wasn't that great at it. So we, we have come a long way. For sure. Yeah. And and one of the things that he's um, still struggling with is like entry passes in the post to Jokic. Dude, it drives me crazy. Drives me crazy. More, I'm gonna give my take on that later. All right, I'm gonna give my take on that later when when we get more into Jamal. But like, um, yeah, he he's really gotten comfortable in the pick and roll in the two man game, and he wasn't there yet at this point. So that was good to see. Uh, he just went absolutely insane um, scoring the basketball in this game, and we saw it. I think with Jamal, and I mean, really every NBA player, like even when you think about guys that can get hot, you usually think, you know, they went off this game. But a lot of times it really just is like kind of one portion of the game. Uh, In this game, he went insane in the first quarter and then also went insane again in the fourth quarter. So it was just a really, really fun Jamal Murray game, like just an incredible shot making, just really Jamal at his best. I mean, he scored 48 points, which is crazy, dude. Yeah, he he made some ridiculously tough shots that probably should not have gone in, but he he was just on something that day, and um, obviously the, the results showed that he that dude has some serious scoring talent. He really does, and I mean, yeah, I guess that's what I was getting. At, where I'm just like, I'm so I just don't remember. Like he was really looking for smoke from the start. Like I don't remember that at all, and so that was incredible. And really this game was so good because the intensity was – it was like a playoff game, which is so surprising. I mean, the Nuggets came out that season on a different level, obviously, because of game 82. Um, they were playing so hard. And it was impressive to see the Celtics, which obviously that team ended up crumbling, but they were really battling, and it was just like a really intense game. There's clearly like stuff being said between the two teams. Um but it was just, it was just chaotic and high energy through then. Like it's not very often you see guys just exhausted at the end of regular season games, and that's what we saw in this game. Yeah, yeah, and I think they mentioned on the broadcast uh, a couple times. I think Marla mentioned that the, at that point in time, after nine games, uh, the Celtics were like number one in defense. So the team was at mm. least clicking early uh, to some degree. Yeah. I mean, they're talented, bro. We saw, like, just Kyrie Irving. I mean, obviously, he is incredibly fun to slander and, like, deserves a lot of slander. But, like, oh, my goodness. He made, you know, four or five shots in this game that just humans are not supposed to make buckets like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he made a couple over Jamal early on where he, like, his hand was right in his face. He was off balance and he just puts the ball right through the net and then he made one late in the game over mason plumley which 
Plumley's obviously a huge dude. He had his hand right in his face, and he was able to get it up over him, which it was uh, it was ridiculous. Um, the the circuit yeah. that he was making. Yeah, he had one. Uh, not sure if the one what, the first one you mentioned was the one where he hit it off the glass when he like off a step back, and it's just like NBA yeah. NBA players don't try that. Like only the very best shot makers are gonna go crazy dribbling into like a step back off the glass type of shot. And like, it's just incredible to watch Kyrie when he's like playing well. It was, it was really fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. Let me get your thoughts. This one is going to hit home for Nuggets fans. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Jamal Murray in the, in the ending before we leave this game, but uh, your thoughts on Wancho uh, pretty much. I mean, he, he was the first sub in, and he played almost 25 minutes, um, and he started the second half. Do, do you have some Wancho thoughts for us? Oh, my goodness. Man, he looked so good in this game. Um, he had this this one that I uh, I, I recorded. He, um, I think it was a fast break after uh, – I think he actually missed a three, and then Gordon Hayward had it on a fast break. Um, and he comes and blocks Gordon Hayward on the other end which was, it was, it was ridiculous. Um, Wancho actually looked really good on both ends of the floor. I think he ended up, um, he ended up with double digit points. He had, he made a couple wide open threes, which was great. Um, mm-hmm. He actually had a, a couple of rebounds as well. And, and his, his defense actually looked really good in this game. Like he used his length to, I think he guarded Kyrie a couple times and he actually somewhat did somewhat well against him. So it was, it was really, really fun to watch when Wancho was actually playing consistently and he was playing really, really well. Yeah, he, I mean, he just looked, um, he looked really springy, obviously the block. Um, and he just looked really kind of athletic, which, you know, when you see Wancho like this, you're just like, that's a guy that could be a three and D wing. And, um, you know, so it was fun to see him play that well. He obviously he had two threes, which it like it still brings a feeling inside of me that I can't explain when I saw them, even on rewatch of just pure joy. Um, yeah. he's such a better <laughs> root for. Yeah, there's nothing there's nothing on this planet better than a launch out three. Um so yeah, it was it was just like such a fun launch game. It it hurt. I actually, you know. You know, Wancho had to move on, so it kind of is what it is. I'm not too salty about it, but, you know, I think at this point, just really hoping he can get, you know, build on this and get to a level where he can contribute like this to an NBA team, you know? For sure, and and I have no doubt that he's an NBA caliber rotation player. Uh, he showed it very consistently last season when when he had to step up into the starting lineup even, even at times, so he he's talented enough too. He has both the IQ and the, um, the skill set to be successful in the NBA. He just needs an opportunity. And I think he's, he's in a good spot right now. Um, well, I, I don't know what he's going to do past this year, but I think if Minnesota keeps him, um, he's going to be a pretty solid wing for them. And th- they're actually pretty desperate for, for wing players. So, you know, he might have a Absolutely. pretty strong role over there. Yeah. I mean, they want to shoot threes and, um, if Wancho can, fi- I mean, I believe in Wancho's shot. I think every you and probably every Wancho fan believes in his shot. Um, so he's definitely going to get an opportunity to score there. And 
you know, anyone that can shoot like that and has that size can be valuable in the NBA. So um, I'm excited for him. I think Minnesota is a great spot. I wish it wasn't in the division, but, you know, Wancho could be a great role player for them. So um, really, really good game for him. I mean, he, let's see, like the, really the, the key to this game outside of Jamal was like the Nuggets bench kind of killed the, the Celtics bench. I don't know if you kind of had that takeaway as well. Yeah, there was a lot of really good bench moments. Um, yeah, like you said, Wancho had an excellent game. Beasley had a couple um, good shots late in the game, which were, were pretty key. Um, man, Trey Lyles actually had a really, really good game um, on rewatch. It was? Trey, Trey Lyles, he made a couple big shots later. Um, had yeah. a couple, uh, I was going to say, it was, it was kind of like a perfect Trey Lyles game because – he drilled two big threes, um, one of which was deep and one of which was like early in the shot clock, which are just like, those threes are huge. Um, and then he did probably take three shots, maybe two shots that were just terrible shots that he missed. So it was just like a good Trey Lyles experience in general. Like that was kind of Trey. Yeah, exactly. I think he had this one shot in the corner. He came down off of a pin down, I think, and Jokic hit him in the corner. Like it was, it was a great like off ball movement for Trey Lyles where he hits this um this nice wide open three that that's generated like I think that was that was the potential that Denver saw in Trey Lyles is a pretty good shooter um good off ball player that could play next to Jokic but he that the rest of that year he just fell apart yeah I don't know I mean we might have discussed this I I don't think I've brought this up on the pod yet but like my hot take from the year that it ended up shifting a little bit I mean it ended up excuse me, it ended up being Jeremy Grant improved his play. <laughs> I think I tweeted like two months into the season that the Nuggets would be better with Trey Lyles than Jeremy Grant. Um, that was one of my hotter takes from this year. <laughs> I think I remember that tweet actually. <laughs> Trey, So Trey, he's valuable because he like just does stuff. Like you can just like, if you dump him the ball, you can be like, all right, yeah, like he can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot. Sometimes that gets like underrated where he's just like kind of like an all around like good at basketball, but like obviously his shooting. Yeah. Like, you know, he's just kind of like this guy that you like, he's going to be an NBA player for another 10 years. Um, But obviously it just didn't work out in Denver. So uh, it was always great when his shot fell apart uh, because I just pulled it up right now. Cause I was curious last year, he shot about 25% from three, which was obviously terrible. And this year he's on, he's about 39% on like 170 attempts. So, I mean, his probably his most valuable skill has come back. So, Yeah. He's his, a lot of the thing with him kind of just seemed like maybe intangibles, maybe like, you know, effort or being locked in or whatever, but who knows? Yeah. Um, okay. Also want to get your take thoughts on Gary Harris at this point in 2018. Oh. Um, they mentioned some point on the broadcast, Gary Harris was leading this team in points per game uh, through through nine games through which the Nuggets were winning games. I think he was he was averaging about eighteen, uh, almost nineteen a game uh, through through that point in the season. That's but man, he was making shots. He was getting to the rim. He had a he had the the Cooney Lexus drive of the game where he just yammed over Gordon Hayward. Um, Beautiful. 
he looked so much more athletic at this point than he than he does right now, and his shot looked just so much smoother. Uh, and he played lockdown defense as usual. He he had a couple good possessions guarding Jason Tatum on, on the wing, actually uh, forced a turnover on him. I think somewhere in the second quarter where I was like, man, that looks, that looks like, I mean, that's Gary Harris, you know, solid yeah. defender on the perimeter, yeah. but then he was just a completely different player on the other end, making uh, quick, like his shot is quick. Like at, at this point in time, it was quick and smooth. Um, and then he obviously could get to the rim, which, yeah. You know, which is something that we were kind of hoping that Gary Harris was coming back near the end of this last season, which his shot was definitely looking better, but he wasn't getting to the rim uh, at the same rate as he used to. Right. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't, I don't think we saw a floater in this game. No Gary floaters. Gary floaters. I mean, that's, that's such a huge difference. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but like he had two and ones and a dunk on Gordon Hayward in this game. I think, that just comes back to like the athleticism and just like him attacking the rim is so key for like this nuggets team. Um, so watching that, like on one hand, it gives you hope that like, Hey, um, obviously injuries have been bothering him. Maybe that comes back in the future. On the other hand, it's like, dang, dang we really missed that guy. It hurts. Yeah. But he, he was impressive. I actually don't even think he, shot that well but like he had a yeah he was four for 13 and one for four from three but it just looked different it looked more confident he was taking quick shots and I mean the Nuggets need that like their offense just got bogged down so much this year that I really think a confident Gary um they missed him this year for sure yeah yeah and I should have said that uh, his shot necessarily didn't necessarily fall but it just looked better like his form it looks was good. cleaner and smoother Absolutely. And I mean, obviously it's always a chicken and egg thing when you talk about shooting versus getting to the rim, but like, you know, the Celtics were scared of him pulling up around the DHO and that helps him get to the rim. So obviously um, if he's able to get a shot back, that's going to help him uh, be able to attack the rim more. Yeah. Okay. My other couple other takeaways i thought monte morris was just fantastic in this game and this is like before we really knew monte this was nine games into the monte experience and like he was just so good yeah he he had a couple really um really fun lobs to Plumley out of the pick and roll um where i mean we see that a lot even this season um i guess this is when you know they started to to get that chemistry but you know, Monte is, yeah, actually we, we saw it early on in the, uh, around the end of the first quarter, Monte, uh, closing out quarters. And I think that's when Malone started to use, use Monte as that, as that closer, um, you know, and he's become a consistent player. He brings the same, same energy and same skill set every night is, uh, quality ball handling doesn't turn over the ball and, and he gets it, gets it up to Plumley every now and then. And he's a good shooter for sure. Yeah, yeah, he, I'm not sure. I mean, he definitely hit a floater. And, you know, a guy that's just reliable to run the offense and get you some buckets. Um, yeah, I thought he was really good. Uh, yeah, he was three for five in the game, and he kind of killed it. Um, last takeaway before we discuss the end in Jamal. The very, very little this game was run through Jokic. Uh, which was it was kind of weird to watch. I mean, it's such a Jamal game, but Jokic ended up only having three shots, which is crazy. But 
you know, not foreign to us, but it was interesting to watch a game where, you know, it wasn't all Jokic all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, how many points did, did he end up with this game? He ended up two for three, um, eight points, four for six from the line. Yeah. I don't think he took a shot at all in his entire first stint, which, nope. was, which was insane. Um, because I think he, he got pulled early for committing a couple fouls, but, um, I mean, there were there was this uh, this one outlet pass that he threw um, to I think it was I think it was Jamal for three. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he threw the outlet pass to Jamal for a three, where it's like, man, this looks like Jokic. But the rest of the game, like the offense was definitely not running through Jokic. It was it was get the ball to Jamal. Yeah, I think I think it was probably mostly interested interested to see if you agree. Probably just Jamal being hot, and they're just like, yeah. Jamal's score Jamal's scoring tonight. Yeah, I agree. Um, Jamal got hot early on, and obviously, like I said, Jokic didn't even take a shot in his first stint. So, yeah, just... and I mean, he still was he still put up ten boards, eight, eight assists. I mean, still solid Jokic night. Um, but yeah, I mean, interesting because because I, I had I had watched two games from the previous year, and it was interesting because it's like they're it's the Jokic offense, but it's not you know, it's more ball movement. And so it was interesting to see this one where this was one of the most Jamal Murray games we've seen. Yeah. And I forgot which coach it was, but at the half, um, they asked him about like, like, what were you doing with Jamal Murray? Did you just tell him to keep, keep scoring? He's like, yeah. Um, every time he was on the floor, we just told him, go get yours. Just in a, he was in a different zone. Um, that dude, the end. So let's just chat the end of the game. Uh, I can't believe you didn't get 50. It was chaotic absolute chaos that it was it was the wildest game because like the celtics didn't quit i mean it was they were still in in touch um jamal kind of hit a couple big threes to put the nuggets up like i don't know eight to ten so it's still in touch and it was it was a battle to the final whistle and jamal wanted 50 so bad i think he had 46 or something with like two and a half minutes left and they were talking about it like man the only uh, the only Nuggets to ever get 50 points were like Kiki Vandaway, Carmelo Anthony, and um, and uh, Alex English, and um, and then they were they talked about that for a little bit, and they're like, man, this crowd deserves 50. And he had he was he was within reach. I think he scored his um, his 48th point that last bucket that he made, um, on uh, like about with about two minutes left in the game, and they just um, and then he, he missed that layup late too, so. He he had yeah, the, that, dude, missed, it was like yeah. missed the layup, pure chaos. Like you know, I I think like if if I was paying attention attention to like I think it was like a bad choice to take the layup. Like in basketball IQ terms, it would have been like we need to chill out for twenty seconds. But he like attempted the fast break layup and missed it. It was heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. With I think it was with his left hand too, and he just. Yeah, it was it was a tough finish, and then he should have got an and one on his last bucket, um, where he just threw up an absurd layup. Like Kyrie checked him in the air, and of course Denver Nugget not going to get a and one call. Of course, yeah, refs swallowed their whistles a couple times. Yeah, and then yeah, just it was just so stressful watching. I remember it in real time where I was like yelling at Monte to pass him the ball, and then like for the free throws, and they. <laughs> It just didn't happen. I was like, oh, poor Jamal. 
Yeah, and that was the right after the game. That was when Kyrie like threw the ball into the stands or oh, something like that, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. And then yeah, Kyrie was so mad, threw the ball. Uh, goes without saying, I'm completely fine with Jamal Murray firing up the three with two seconds left. Oh, of course. I don't know how yeah. you feel. Uh, I mean, of course. I mean, it's like. The game was already won at that point, basically, with uh, about a minute left in the game. Let, let, let the guy go for 50. Like, what's wrong with that? Yeah, we. I mean, I think watching a, re, a like, rewatch, um, it was clear, like, Jamal not, like, going at the bench. Like, they weren't happy with – like, they were pissed that Jamal beat them. No doubt about it. Like, it was – it did definitely become personal. So, it makes a little more sense to me that Kyrie would free, flip out at the end. Like, at the time, I was like – dude, grow up. Wow. So like watching it again, I was like, okay, yeah, Jamal was being like, Jamal was being kind of a dick. Um, so like, I get it, but like, still you can't throw the ball into the stands. The other hands, other fans hate Jamal Murray for probably that reason. It's hilarious, <laughs> especially Celtics fans. And they probably, it's probably because of this game, but even to this day, like when we play the Celtics and you look at quote unquote Celtics, Twitter, they, they all, yeah hate jamal murray it's hilarious it's it's funny because he's like yeah it's like like lakers fans that are still mad about jamal it's like really like okay that's <laughs> fine <laughs> uh J- like jamal and i kind of feel this like like i don't want to just be a hater on jamal but like he was it's i don't want to say act like you've been there before because he hadn't so like i'm not gonna like actually hate on him but it's funny because he was just like it was uh, so crazy to him that it was ha- this was happening like it wasn't it wasn't like a Dame Lillard like cool 50 it was like he was so hype the whole game and like that he was like celebrating talking trash so it was like I'm completely fine with it but it was definitely like you could you could understand why a vet like Kyrie would be like okay all right dude whatever you know yeah yeah, yeah. But and I think it was he was literally what yeah and like late in the second quarter, he was like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. Like, I, I want the ball. I think he was – I looked it up. So he was 21 at this point. So he's – I mean, the dude's still super young That's dude. Crazy. I mean, the dude's putting up a crazy game in the NBA. So he's he's probably like, man, this is surreal. Just just give me the ball. I'm going to do whatever I want with it. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, but they would like flash him and he would be like wiggling his fingers like he was just he was on one. I loved it. Um, he still is like, like if he gets hot, like, you know, he's about to, he's going to airball at least one three, which is like, I mean, that's standard. That's J.R. Smith stuff. That's fine. He I'm cool with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's that's really all I've got on this game. I think in general, like you guys should definitely watch it. I don't know, Kate, if you have anything else to add on this before we move on to, to our next discussion. Um, man, no, I, I don't think so. Just, uh, it was, it was an adrenaline rush of a game and it was fun to watch the, the old form nuggets. Oh yeah. It was, you know, some old faces, um, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving at some of his best basketball, Kyrie Irving throwing a basketball in the stands Oh, I w- it did suck that there was a ton of Celtics fans at this game. Like, this was obviously before, you know, beginning of the 54-1 season. So, I mean, we're going to deal with that every time, but it is still always, like, annoying to hear, even on rewatch. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. 
<laughs> but like incredibly chaotic game uh could not recommend anymore to rewatch it so um i i definitely wanted to have kate on because i mean i think i wouldn't say i'm like anti jamal murray but like you know i think we have slightly different jamal murray opinions and so i wanted to kind of spin this this podcast into a bit of a jamal murray discussion just because obviously this is one of his marquee moments. Um, you know, we watched Jamal at his best, which was an incredible watch. And he is an incredibly talented player. Um, so I kind of wanted to spin it into Kate and I talking Jamal just in general, like moving forward um, for the Nuggets and how we feel about him as a player. Um, so I just wanted to start with Cade. What... I guess let's just talk night. Like, let's just talk assuming the season's over today. Um, you know, what do you think of Jamal's season this year? Um, is it what you expected? Or um, I think, you know, some people view him as kind of stagnating. I don't necessarily share that view, but um, what are your thoughts on his, his season this past year? I think he grew in some ways that were, definitely valuable he turned himself into a positive defender this year which was well probably most of the credit goes to the coaching staff and and michael malone and even partially to gary harris but i think he he grew in some Mm -hmm. areas which he needed to um in order for him to take that that next level leap um but he didn't take the leap which which is sort of disappointing but also it's encouraging to see that he still did grow um, so he, he's a positive defender and he's also improved and gotten a lot more comfortable. Like you mentioned earlier in the two man game, his pocket passing has improved. He's still not a good post-entry passer, but I think his playmaking overall has improved. The numbers don't really show it, which is interesting. Like there's, there's no difference in his assists per game and only a marginal yeah. difference in his assist percentage. But I think... And actually, his he's committed more turnovers per game. I'm not sure. I'm not sure why the numbers don't really reflect it. But it, at least from watching him, it looks like he's he's improved um, in his passing out of the two man game, and and as well as his defense, in which the numbers actually do show that he's he's improved as a defender. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So I think he's improved in some peripheral areas. Um, his uh, what a, a pretty important difference is that his uh his true shooting jumped about 20 points which is good um so he's he's now an above average uh, scorer at least in terms of true shooting which last year he he was below average that's definitely a good development um that's a, i didn't realize it was that big of a jump yeah yeah From, um, yeah that's really i was good. kind of surprised too and that was uh that's a very, very uh, encouraging thing to note. Um, and, you know, the things that he still needs to improve on are still there though, right? At least offensively. Uh, I wrote a piece yeah. a few months ago about his shot profile. And, you know, Jamal Murray's one of the best free throw shooters in the league. He's, he's automatic from the line every time. And we mm. didn't really see him make any changes to try and draw more fouls this year, which if you're going to be a star in this league, you're going to be able to 
need to draw fouls. Um, right. And the way you do that, at least directly, is by driving more. And we talked about it earlier with with like Gary Harris and stuff and, and how his ability to the rim is very important to this team. The same thing goes for Jamal Murray. In order for him to be a, a star-level player uh, and to take that extra leap to where he should be, he needs to be able to attack the rim at will. Um, and maybe that has to do less with um, less with his desire to and more with his ability to actually break defenders down on the perimeter and and see if and actually create that shot create that lane to drive to the rim uh, but in order because he's he's a good finisher at the rim I actually I, I mentioned in the uh, the article I wrote he's a better finisher at the rim than than a guy like Damian Lillard who's a star level player and known for getting to the rim as well as shooting the deep shot and Jamal yeah. in terms of shooting is behind Damian Lillard, but actually not not that much. Damian Lillard has some more range, right? Because he can he can pull up from way deep. But in terms of like career right. shooting percentage, they're like within a percent or two, which is crazy to think about. Right. Um, I would, yeah. I would just I, think, I would yeah. guess it's probably more kind of attempts related, right? Oh, yep that's that's exactly what it is. Um, Jamal Murray is at least at the time when I wrote this article is in the 90th percentile in amount of mid-range shots taken. And when Jamal is such a good finisher at the rim, as well as such a good free throw shooter, and he has the talent to shoot threes, taking those mid-range shots just isn't, it's just not beneficial for him. And he still keeps taking them. So I think in order to take that leap, he needs to change his shot profile and dramatically reduce the amount of mid-range shots that he takes. I, I completely agree with everything you said. Just side note, um, everyone that's listening that hasn't checked out that article from Kate definitely should. I'll, I'll link it if you saw this on the, you know, I'll tag it, whatever, thread it. Uh, fantastic article. Um, I, I actually read it uh, yesterday, dude, when I was talking to you about this. So I read it again. Fantastic stuff. Thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, Jamal, I think I, we obviously don't need to beat it to death. I think a lot of people know a lot of it with Jamal comes back to kind of the shot selection. Um, you know, so I completely agree with you. Don't have too much to add. I think for me, I am comfortable calling this season for Jamal a little disappointing just because I kind of am of the opinion. Go, I mean, it's. I, sh- I shouldn't necessarily say disappointing, but like he hasn't made the leap yet. And the leap that he has to make is offensively to me um, going into the season. I was like, I honestly don't care if Jamal improves on defense because, you know, the nuggets need Jamal to be a very, very good offensive player right now. He's good to very good. They need him to be, you know, a star offensive player. That's what I want him to improve. Um, you know, the defense, obviously very important. I think Jamal's a better overall player at this point than he was last year, and that's fantastic. But, like, that's not what the Nuggets need from him to go to the next level. They need him to be a star scorer. Um, so, for me, that's disappointing. At the same time, as always with Jamal, uh, he's 22, 23. Um, so, he's very young, same age as Dame Lillard when Dame – came into the league. So um, 
you know, I think with Jamal, the thing that's tough, Kate, is we've seen him as a starter for three years where he's playing over 30 minutes a game. And I think that's where some of the the disagreements come in with people where it's like on one hand, he's 23. On the other hand, he's been a full-time starter with like one of the most gifted offensive players of all time for three seasons. That's where it gets hard for me to be like, okay, he's young. At the other hand, I've watched it for three years, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and a good point that I, I think Ryan Blackburn from Denver Stiffs made was that, so we gave him an extension, um, a max extension, which I, I wasn't even a fan of um, at the time. I didn't think he deserved deserved the max. Um, but, you know, he doesn't, his extension money doesn't kick in until next season. So I'm not necessarily going to say something like, he, he was disappointing because his extension doesn't kick until next season. If he doesn't improve dramatically by next season, then I can, I can comfortably call him a, a somewhat disappointing. Yeah. I mean, at the, I mean, at the end of the day, and I try to keep this in mind, you know, I don't want to, I'm, I just want to evaluate him as a player. I think like people obviously mix, like bring contracts into evaluating players, but like end of the day, it's a, it's situational. Like the contract doesn't mean that much to me. Like I'm not, you know, that's where people get into criticizing Paul Millsap. It's like, really, it's just situational. Um, so like, I try not to bring, you know, the max contract thing into it, but like, cause he's a, he's a good player and you know, he's more valuable to the Nuggets on a five-year deal than a four-year deal. I think people don't necessarily understand that the max isn't as much as people think it is. I mean, I'm, I'm com- when I got that notification, dude, I don't know if you feel the same way. I was shocked, but like, as I, you know, yeah, I was shocked. I'm fine with the con. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> was not expecting this. Uh, I'm fine with the contract. Um, I think the season, you know, obviously it's not fair or realistic to just hope for a leap to happen. So like end of the day, I'm not giving up on Jamal Murray or anything. I just, my opinion, um, you know, season a little disappointing. Um, you know, obviously he got the injury and that slowed him down. He came back and he played amazing basketball for like the last, you know, what was it, 15 games or so. Um, yeah, after he came so, back from his injury, he was on a tear. Yeah, and he – obviously his shooting went down. I mean, small sample size. I believe in Jamal as a three-point shooter. I think the thing with him, for me, that gets frustrating is – um, and this is kind of like my take that I'm workshopping and it's not necessarily stats to back it up, but to me, he just like, he's comfortable doing what he knows how to do. And I just like, don't think he's like a very fast learner. I think a lot of it comes back to kind of feel. I don't think he has incredible feel for the game. I think he's like an incredibly talented player. I think he's a very technical player. Um, so I think a lot of his issues kind of come back to feel, which for me is why you see so many DHOs from Jokic where he kind of tosses the ball to Jamal and he has an open three and he'll take a dribble forward and then take another dribble back um, just because that's what he's comfortable with. And he keeps doing it. He keeps doing it. Even though it's Malone has talked about him being shot ready. Everybody knows he needs to just fire these threes. I, you know, obviously I think, it's not just him all there's criticism all around the organization, but for me, I'm just like, uh, that's something I want Jamal to be improving on that. He just like kind of isn't. And so I think it's just slower for him than, uh, you know, what you would hope for. And that's kind of my take in general, which like 
end of the day, it's just me kind of like doing my take from watching him. I'm just like kind of like a slow learner. His feet in it, like the most like best way to put it is just his feel kind of struggles sometimes, if that makes sense. I don't know if, if you think that's dumb or if that makes sense. I actually think that that definitely makes sense. Um, and yeah, we've mentioned like he's 23, but he's played in the league for three years. So it's kind of hard to determine whether he should be adapting quicker at, at his age. But, um, but I think as he matures, because um, at least from, you know, he's, he has areas of immaturity, right? Um, as he, as he matures as a player, once he recognizes uh, what he needs to do. I think he knows what he needs to do, but I don't, like you said, I think you, you're right. I think he knows what he needs to do, but he falls into whatever's most comfortable for him, at least in the moment, because the NBA is such a quick paced game. And that's, that's usually the thing that once, once young players come into the NBA, they say things like, yeah, the biggest difference for me was how fast the game was. Absolutely. And with how quick the NBA game is, Jamal Murray might not be thinking about hmm, what should my shot profile be right now, but, right. but yeah. more so what, what am I comfortable with? Like what, what am I going to do? Um, right. Like what's natural to me. So what he needs right. to do is, is make those shots more comfortable for him. I'm not sure how he's going to go about that, but that's probably what he needs to do. And, and since the NBA is such a fast paced game, feel is probably what he's basing a lot of his uh his looks off of and his performance off of yeah i think yeah absolutely and i mean end of the day like i think that's what's frustrating like what i said about his feel kind of like the process for him i think that's what's frustrating obviously i think jamal the contracts blessing and a curse being the second best player on the team that you know it's not his fault that he's the second best player when he's 22 23 and that Jokic is ready to win now, that's not his fault. So, like, I think he's kind of in an unfair situation when it comes to criticism. Um, but, yeah, when I say I have kind of an issue with his feel and with, like, the process for him, like, that's just me evaluating him right now. I think he has definitely shown, you know, incremental improvements. I think that's why the organization invested in him. I think that's why, end of the day, um, you know, as a Nuggets fan, everybody should feel good about where he's at this year compared to last year. I think it's frustrating that he's not scoring more. I think it's crazy. It drives us crazy when he's shooting mid range, but um, you know, I think he has shown incremental improvement. One thing, um, one comparison I thought of, don't know if you have a take on this, like the mid range thing is frustrating. Cause I think, I think a lot of players could take advantage of Jokic in the way that Jamal does. I mean, maybe not a lot of players, but like end of the day, I think, playing off of Jokic is a pretty good situation for NBA players that can dribble and shoot. Um, one thing I was thinking though, is Jason Tatum last year took a step back and he was really developing Like he was, ta- he had a terrible shot profile. Um, and at the end of the day, it ended up really improving his game. Um, so that's a comparison for me where I'm like, Hmm, if I want to look on the bright side with Jamal, look at Jason Tatum, who is getting closer to top 10 player. Um, he really developed his mid-range game, really developed, like, frankly, bad shots. Um, so maybe Jamal, as he continues to get better, like the fact that he's comfortable doing what he is now, that could end up being a good thing. 
Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> one of the things that a lot of people pointed to um, after Jason Tatum kind of had a, a, a little bit of a sophomore slump was that he worked with Kobe over, yeah. over the summer. Um, and I think Jamal Murray went to Kobe's camp this last off season too. Maybe there's some correlation there, but no, um, I, I agree. I think, I think that maybe, um, you know, maybe after taking that dip, then he can, uh, he can come back and, and Jason Tatum has looked a lot better. Um, his man, the, the problem is, I think at least in this comparison is that Jason Tatum wasn't good at bad shots last, yeah. uh, last year, but Jamal Murray is actually good at bad shots. He's just, I mean, he takes a lot of mid range shots, but he also makes a lot of mid range shots, which kind of is, um, uh, is bittersweet because it encourages him to take more <laughs> when they're not as efficient, but he's good at making those bad shots. And I think that's a difference. But um, I think he's not think good enough. Yeah, to the point. he's not good enough to the point like like we saw Kyrie Irving in, in this game take bad shots and he makes all of them. He still ended up like like what was it like thirteen for seventeen on on the day. So Jamal Murray's good at making taking the bad sh- shots, but not good enough. So yeah, and I think to become significantly better at taking the bad shots or it, or revamp his shot profile. Yeah, and I think that's what gets frustrating a little bit because it's like you're playing with Jokic. You know, it's like, yes, you can get those looks. That's because they're, you know, they're not giving it to you, but, like, those are the looks that they're fine with if the, you know, if the next option is passing into, you know, the best passing big man of all time or, you know, whatever it may be. So I think that's what gets frustrating sometimes, especially when you look at kind of, like, the offense getting a little stale in general. I think – I don't think it's just Jamal. I think like, obviously like he's a scapegoat for a lot of stuff, but um, you know, I think playing next to Jokic, you have that opportunity. You're going to get those looks. I think you need to be aware that like we need threes and like we need to move the ball more too, because the Nuggets just frankly weren't moving the ball enough this year to get great looks. And so that was tough for a lot of Nuggets fans to swallow just because we're used to the ball movement. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, actually Travis Heath, who a lot of people probably follow on Twitter, um, he's ha- had this take for a while that, you know, Jamal is more comparable to like a Kobe than a Dame just because he's such a, has such that scores mentality. And at, to this point, I agree with it. The only issue with that for Jamal is like, as you know, like looking at the numbers, he's not really – he's good in the mid range, but he's not a great isolation player. Like I think his synergy isolation stats are pretty poor. Um, so that's the thing with Jamal. It's like, we can't rely on you in the ISO. So we need you to be a score from three and get in the line. Like you talked about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. Um, Travis Heath and I have the, the Metro state, Denver connection, so that's that's pretty uh pretty funny that you mentioned. <laughs> but um, he, I mean, he's a Nuggets Twitter legend, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Jamal Murray is not an isolation player, and I think yeah, that was definitely something I alluded to earlier. Is that he maybe his shot profile does depend on the fact that a lot of his shots do come out of the two man game, and he pulls up around those Jokic high screens, and he doesn't 
drive all the way to the rim and he just pulls up and shoots the mid range. Um, he, he, that definitely happens to him a lot, but when he's not getting those shots out of the two man game, he's, um, he's still pulling up out of the mid range, but I, I don't know if he's able to get to the rim on, on isolation, yeah. uh, at a consistent level yet. So that's definitely a factor for sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, we, I mean, everyone's detailed the three point thing. Like if he shoots more threes, people will be up on him more. That gives him a better shot to get to the rack. Um, I do think he's a very like technical player. And so I think that might have like, I just don't think he's that unpredictable. Like you look at talents like Trey, Jaw, um, you know, De'Aaron Fox is kind of more just like his speed, but like a couple, like those type of point guards, they're so creative um, with like what they do that it's probably easier for them to draw fouls. Like Jamal, very technical. I don't think he's afraid of contact. Like I think he's very comfortable um, going to the rim and like trying to draw fouls. So like, but he's not. My clear. take on his, yeah, it's like the quickness, and it's also just like he he's just very technical. I don't know. Like he's, he's, I don't want to say robotic cause he's a smooth player. It's just like, he doesn't make defenders go, um, in different ways, like in unpredictable ways, you know, I don't know if that take is good or bad, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think I agree with you. He doesn't break down his defenders. Um, one-on-one he's not an excellent one-on-one scorer. Um, right. He's an unreal, like, he can get looks comfortable comfortably. It's because and he can make them because he can make tough shots. It's just end of the day when you're that size and like don't have the quickness, it's tough for him and ISO. Yeah, and that's that's the difference I think for him is he's good at hitting the bad shots when his defender is on him. Where the guys like like Lillard or or even Kobe Bryant, like Heath mentioned, are good at creating shots for themselves uh, and creating good looks for themselves, which Jamal Murray's not there yet. He can get open looks next to Jokic, but he's not going to create his own looks at, at the same level as some stars that, um, that definitely can do that. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think, yeah, I think for him, uh, we just got to continue to hope that, you know, continues to be a playmaker i think the nuggets just need to move the ball faster in general i think that's i think that's murray i think that's everybody on the roster i think that's coaching yeah Um, the pace needs to be up i I mean if you're gonna play at mile high what we saw in this uh the celtics game is that these guys were exhausted the celtics were exhausted at the end of the game um like horford specifically he was absolutely gassed uh, and you know, the nuggets need to, um, take advantage of that. And I think, you know, have you been watching the, uh, the old games for DNVR watches? Like the, yeah, the yeah, I haven't and stuff? watched everyone, but yeah, I've watched a few. Yeah. Yeah. And what those nuggets did was they had a, a much better pace. They ran the break a little bit more. Um, they were just faster, uh, right. faster pace as a whole. Um, I mean, it drives me crazy. Like, Watching the my last two podcasts were from the previous season, the sixteen, the seventeen, eighteen season, and the Nuggets ran. I mean, they didn't necessarily, they weren't necessarily like seven seconds or less, but they ran up the court to get into their sets, um, which they Nuggets just simply do not do anymore at all. It's so slow. We're like 29th in pace or something like that. It's 
<laughs> and it's like I understand, like obviously the bait, like Jokic exists, like Jokic's mindset is we can get an A shot every time. So I respect that they're not in any rush, but I you know Jokic I simply just um, with pace because I, I think obviously near the end of the season he worked himself into better shape. But man, he is. Um, it's like that that gold badge on 2K. That he's a is a fast break starter. That dude can get the ball to the right spots in the fast break, and he'd be able to create good shots out of the fast break as well. So, I mean, I don't even think yeah. that would be necessarily as much of a problem. But I don't understand what happened there. But the Nuggets could not agree more. Like, really, could use some more pace, and we saw it. We saw it a bit in this game. Uh, I saw it even more in the the games I watched from the prior season, but um, yeah, Jamal, I mean, it's like, he's continue, I, he's shown incremental improvement. I believe he's going to be a very good starter in the NBA for a long time. Um, do you think he will be an all-star? Yes. I, I love it. I, if I had to bet on it, I'd say no, but I think he, I think he's going to be in the conversation, you know? I don't necessarily think he's going to be a perennial all-star. Like he's not going to be like a Chris Paul and make it like 10 times in a row. Um, But I think he'll get in probably more than once. Um, You know, something, you know, the article I sent you earlier, Mike Singer did an exit interview from an opposing scout. So a scout from a different team um, where he said, I'll, I'll read off the quote. He says about Jamal Murray, he says, He's a tremendous talent, continues to improve. In my opinion, will be one of the elite point guards in the league in another season or two. Just needs to have consistent performance day in and day out to reach that all-star level. He's got great size, great athleticism, and great scoring skills. He's more of a scoring point than a creative point, but that's okay. It's about winning the game, and he's as talented as anybody at the position. That's that's basically what you just said uh, a minute ago. He's not as creative um, but he's just more of a pure scorer. Um, and he has the talent and he has the ability to be that all-star and to reach that level. He just needs to be more consistent. Yeah. I I would, I would say he, I would say it's a lot more than consistency for the all-star. He's, you know, he, he's got to be up here scoring 25 points per game, you know? So yeah, that's fair. I, I agree with the sentiment of the talent is there, which I think, I think it's there. I think he, I mean, I think he's a better shooter than he's shown. Um, well, I mean, he are pretty good deal with some injuries and I think that's knocked his shot a little bit. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it just, it, I would, I wouldn't agree that it's consistency. I think, I think he's, I think he's a, good starter i think he's a good really good player for the nuggets i think to to make it to the all-star level in the west because i mean you look at guys like you know mike conley who's been a fantastic player like it's tough to make it in the west um so he's got to bump it up i think it's possible yeah, I, mean, think I probably Devin booker was a reserve this year like not not a yeah. not a reserve no he was a replacement after i forgot someone got hurt but he was a replacement like he wasn't even on the all-star team Right. Yeah, and I mean Devin Booker is a guy I would probably you know take over Jamal going forward. Like I think is a better player. So it's like it, Jamal's got you know Donovan Mitchell, uh, Jaw, and then kind of De'Aaron Fox. Like those are the young point guards. He can he can bust ahead of those guys. It just hasn't happened yet. So yeah, and, and the he, thing that Jamal has over those guys is um, Jamal 
can at least shoot at volume better than these guys. Like Ja can hit uh, open shots every now and then from three, but he's not going to shoot from volume out there. And the same thing with Darren Fox is, and Jamal's ability to hit the three at volume, I think gives him a huge advantage there. I think end of the day, we, everyone, everyone in Nuggets nation agrees more threes, Jamal, you know, we need you at eight. He's at, He's been at 5.5 pretty much for three years in a row, and he's, he's got to get that up. Yeah, I mean, ten, yeah, give me, I'm a, yo, I'm a, I'm gonna be comfortable. Get me to eight first, and then I'll get greedy. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I so I lean. I was still gonna tell him to get to ten. Oh, absolutely, and he, I mean, he can. Like, look at Devonte Graham, dude. Like, you know, that guy's shooting like ten or eleven threes. So, yeah, um, yeah. So Jamal, I think it's tough for me it's kind of tough to see but like i'm definitely not saying it can't happen that's that's my take um man if he but okay. if, he, if he evolves into an effective three level scorer and at least an average defender he's he's going to be such a high level player in the nba and i, I agree with the scout he's going to be one of the elite point guards in the league if he can if he can fix his shot profile, if he can score, like you said, like 25 points a game because he can do it. Like he, he has the ability to. Yeah. No, I, I'm, 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 I love, yeah. Like I, we're not getting all into like what the Nuggets should do. I'm on team. Keep the Nuggets together. I'm, I'm there. I, I believe in Jamal. He just, he frustrates me sometimes. And, you know, sometimes we just need to have these conversations and air it out. Um, I don't think I've been too hard on him though. I think he he takes too much heat in general because that's what happens when you're the second best player on a team that can't quite get over the hump yet. Um let's see. What do you think? Okay, we're we're kind of we're getting close to our time, but I do want your take. Like what do you think about it's a pretty popular take in Nuggets Internet. Jamal Murray is a two guard. Your thoughts. I actually agree with this one. Um, you agree with it? Yeah. Um, I actually think it depends. Um, it depends on who you put next to him at the one, because the numbers show like the Monte Murray lineups are unbelievable. They're so good. They're super effective. Um, it actually helps Jamal Murray uh, see more, like it creates shots for Jamal Murray. I think more effectively. Um, a lot of people have floated around the name Chris Paul recently. And I love that. I think that would be perfect. Like Kyle Lowry in my mind was perfect. Like before the season started, I thought, man, if the mm-hmm. Raptors kind of, you know, hover around 500 and they're selling at the deadline, I would pick up Kyle Lowry in an instant. Uh, he would be perfect. And that so, was dude. You were on that. That was, yeah, that was, that was good. That was good. Thank you. Yeah. And I think if you have a guy like that, a facilitating one, like a facilitating defensive minded one, I think that's a guy that you want to uh, slide next to Jamal Murray. Like Monte Morris right now is the, I, at least a, um, a good facsimile of that, right? And the numbers show that that lineup is excellent. I agree with that. I actually, that's why I was so excited about Will Barton initially moving into the starting lineup. Um, and I actually think Will would be pretty fantastic next to Jamal. I think I we it's it's a mixture of Jamal coaching and everything that it hasn't quite panned out. But yeah, I think 
having someone next to Jamal that can handle the ball and be a playmaker would be fantastic. That, you know, probably a higher level than Will would be ideal. Um, but I completely agree with you. I don't think he, you know, when people say he's a two guard, I don't necessarily, I don't agree with that. Like, I think he's a point guard. I think he's a point guard that, you know, he would be even better if he was getting shots off the ball, you know? Yeah, that's fair. And, and Jamal Murray does have the ability to play off ball too, which I think contributes to my my take that he can play two guard. Um, and I think I, I think at Kentucky too, he was just more of a just a scorer. Like he was just yeah, he was, he was a pure two guard. Kentucky. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I, I think we're I think people. I mean, end of the day, it's like one versus two. It just depends on the team. I mean, I think I completely agree. Like, put a point guard, a quote unquote point guard, next to Jamal as long as you've got, you know, the right, the right defense, right size. It's completely fine. Yeah, for sure. Um, what was I going to say? So, is is would Drew be your number one guy that you would want the Nuggets to target? Uh, Who was that? Uh, Drew Holiday. Oh, Drew. No, I don't think so because he doesn't shoot as well. Um, I mean, yeah. my number one guy would be Kyle Lowry, honestly. Um, and number two would be Chris Paul. Um, yeah. And honestly, I think Chris Paul would be cheaper than Drew Holiday. Um, but but then again, he's his contract is massive. So. But yeah, maybe, I was kind of on, on the theoretical theoretical Chris Paul trade um, this year. It just it definitely concerns me to like buy high on Chris Paul on a I mean, end of the day you could get Chris Paul for cheap, but it's still just always concerning making a move for like a 35, 36 year old coming off a really good year. Right. It just feels like you know, it was like OKC made the brilliant move. I don't necessarily want to be the guys making the move after the brilliant move. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, I, I think to make the money work now, because earlier, like in the season, we could have traded Plumley, and that would have covered a lot of cost. Yeah. Now the only guy that we have under contract for that much money would be some combination of Gary Harris and Will Barton, um, which would be really Breaking tough apart. to lose. Yeah. So I mean, I just if, I don't. Yeah, I don't see the guys, thing happening. Yeah, uh, yeah. If you built those guys as well as like some other assets, like the Rockets pick and base Diop or whatever. I mean, you'd have a, a starting five of Chris Paul, Jamal Murray, Michael Porter, and Grant or Millsap at the four with Jokic at the five. So, I mean, that would be <laughs> that would yeah. be something. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think I like I think the Chris Paul thing is more fun in theory for like this season. I really think they could have been a title contender. I think um, so too. I think moving forward, moving forward, I'm not as comfortable with it, especially if it's Will and Gary. Um, so like for me, I'm out, but like, I do think Chris Paul and the Nuggets would be incredible. So, um, yeah. Anyways, would you, okay. Last thing before we wrap up, I, it's funny how much people talk about Brad Beal when like, he's never been available. Like, you know, like he was never available last summer and people will talk about it like he was, but in a theoretical summer swap, would you give Jamal Murray for Brad Beal? Straight up? I don't think so. No. Gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, obviously the trade would have some pieces one way or the other, but like essentially if the, if the piece that the Nuggets had to give up was Jamal Murray, you would not. No, I don't think so. Um, Well, if we, if we look at the playoffs last year, like most of the Nuggets offense 
their from their starting unit came out of the the Murray Jokic pick and roll. And I, I think that's definitely I mean Brad Beal's a great offensive player, but I don't know if having him uh, it also depends like like would we start like Brad Beal at the point and have Gary play the two? I mean it, it there's definitely some logistical things that um, play into that. And I'm not sure how good Brad Beal would be in the two-man game because uh, Jokic and Murray have been teammates for so long. They've developed that chemistry. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah. there's definitely some locker room um, chemistry that Jamal Murray has developed with the guys. And I think I don't think Brad Beal would definitely or def- move that needle one way or the other. I think he's a fine – he's actually a good dude. Like Brad Beal's a very popular guy in the NBA. Um, yeah, I don't think that would be necessarily be as much of a concern, but overall, I think the Nuggets offense relies too much on Jamal Murray, um, for him to be dealt straight up, but also, yeah. but also we have, like, if we look at Brad Beal's contract, we'd only have him for a couple of years, whereas we'd have Murray for an extra, um, several years after that. So in terms of contract value, um, I think, I think Jamal's probably the more valuable contract at this point, yeah. at least with Bro, the potential moving forward as well. You're preaching to the choir. I mean, I haven't, I obviously don't watch the Washington Wizards because I have, you know, I respect my free time, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think if the Nuggets were made to, first of all, I just like a Beal Murray backcourt doesn't make that much sense. So like for me, it's like, I think the front office would have to buy in a Beal as like a making a James Harden type of thing where it's like, we believe in this guy as a lead ball handler. And like, honestly, I haven't watched enough Beal to like have a personal take on that uh, or not. Um, You know, but I'm comfortable with where the Nuggets are at. And, you know, I think Beal, he might be like significantly better um, than Murray, where it's like non-Nuggets fans would be like, no, you have to make that deal. But like for me, I'm like, I'm comfortable with with where the Nuggets are at. Um, You know, maybe talk to me in a year. Yeah. We see another Jamal season. Yeah, I think most people would would probably just like if they were in the Nuggets shoes, they'd straight up swap swap the two. But I don't think, I don't think I would. Yeah. Um, we know too much, dude. Right. <laughs> we spent too much time with our guys. Yeah. <laughs> and Brad Beal definitely benefited from the the spacing that they have over in Washington. Like, man, he has Davis Bertans. That dude spreads the floor so much for them. I'll trade Jamal Murray for Davis Bertans. That's, <laughs> that's, the deal that I, that's the deal that I want. I wanted um, Bertans so much in uh, in the off season, and I I'm I'm actually very happy to say say that considering how well he's uh, he's been doing. Yeah, we've both been on that. Like, I just want a insane stretch four off the bench. Like, I want Bertans. I want Bielitsa. Oh, I, I want pizza. fully realized Juancho Hernan Gomez. Like that's who I want coming off the bench. Yeah. At some point in Nuggets, at some point in Jokic's prime, I need freaking Nemanja Bielitsa shooting 30 foot threes. Man, Bielitsa would be so perfect for this team. Oh my God. Beyond perfect. Beyond perfect. You've been, yeah, you've been on that for, I, you were tweeting about that like a year ago. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I wrote a piece on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, I think that's all. I think that's all I've got. I think we're at about wrap up time. Um, Cade, man, this was awesome, dude. I really, really appreciate you taking the time to jump on this with me, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Um, this was really fun. 
Cade, we're going to have to do it again. Um, Anytime. Not sure. Not sure what game I'm going to watch next, but definitely, you know, appreciate any feedback. Um, you know, if you want to jump on the pod, let me know. Um, you know, I would definitely want to bring all of us Nuggets fans together during this time. So, Cade, man, I appreciate it. Um, I want to thank y'all for listening. So, um, go Nugs, and everybody stay safe out there.